It's Wired, the Pistons podcast, presented by Keith. Here's your host, Matt Derry. All right, here we go, everybody. Another edition of Wired, the Pistons podcast. Thanks for joining me as we get you updated on everything going on with your Detroit Pistons and talk about it with the weekly show. Coming up today on the pod, we will bring in Mark Kestisher, the radio play-by-play voice of the NBA on ESPN Radio. It does every big national game. Kesty does a fantastic job, and uh, we want to check in with him on his thoughts about Detroit, the Pistons, Blake Griffin, their chances in the East, and everything else. And we'll do that in a little bit right here on Wired. We're brought to you by Jeep, as I said. We thank Jeep for sponsoring this podcast and show, which we bring to you on Pistons.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Tell your friends, tell all your Pistons uh, fan friends to tune in and give us a, a whirl each and every week right here on Wired. I had a great experience. First of all, the Pistons are playing pretty good basketball. And we know what happened the other night with the loss to the San Antonio Spurs, but it was a game in which I think the Pistons did not play their best defensively and weren't making the shots that they had been making earlier in the week against Indiana, etc. But with that being said, they scratched and clawed their way back, played okay on the road against the Spurs, which is never an easy place to play uh, down in San Antonio. And now they have their sights set on the Saturday game here coming up this weekend against Cleveland, and then the home tilt on Sunday against the Toronto Raptors, which should be a very interesting contest for sure as Dwayne Casey faces his former team again. And the Raptors, this is a team 28 games above 500 and playing very, very well. Winners of 8 of 10 with Kawhi Leonard running the show, but... It was earlier in the year, and Dwayne Casey's return to uh, Toronto, as I like to call it, that uh, the Pistons made some noise and won that basketball game. So hope to see you at the LCA, certainly for the 6 o'clock tip on Sunday. The Saturday game against the Cavs, a 5 o'clock start uh, down there at uh, Quicken Loans Arena. But the Pistons are playing well. They're playing better. Guys are making shots. You see the activity that Luke Kennard is bringing. He seems to be playing with a chip on his shoulder. Reggie Jackson's healthy again. And one thing that, that, that really was cool about this week was before the Indiana game on Monday, I had the opportunity to help MC a Detroit Pistons a season ticket members sort of conference that we had with the front office. It was a front office sort of meet and greet and Q&A uh, with the likes of Arn Tellum, uh, Sanshin, uh, Sanshin Gupta, who is one of the assistant GMs, and I was with Arn and Sanshin for the three sessions, Ed Stefanski, Malik Rose, uh, Greg Polinski. I'm probably forgetting people here um, uh, in the front office, but we had a blast, and uh, Pat Garrity, and it was a lot of fun. And one thing that I learned being down there and being around the Pistons' front office for about an hour, hour and a half, was the Pistons, I don't think Pistons fans realize how good the front office is and how much experience is there, how they've added some people that are well-respected around the league. I, I talked to some of my friends around the league about meeting Sashin for the first time the other day, and they're like, oh, that guy's the, the trade machine guy, helped build the Sixers uh, during the process. He's really, really sharp. And so he's an assistant GM. Malik Rose, who's well-regarded around the league, is an assistant GM. Pat Garrity, who's interviewed for GM jobs, including in Milwaukee recently, is on Ed Stefanski's staff. So they've got, the Pistons have a lot of very, very smart individuals at the top, helping Stefanski and Arn Tellum and that group make a lot of very important calls. And so it was a lot of fun to be around that and to see these guys and to kind of pick their brains a little bit. But I think the Pistons are in very good hands when it comes to decision-making. And I know that it has not been an easy decade. And I, I, I'm well aware that this, this, this team hasn't won a playoff game in ages. 
You know, the last two series that they played, both were against Cleveland, both were sweeps. But you know, I'm not making any bold predictions for 2018-2019 for here and, and when the Pistons get to the playoffs, and I think they're going to get in. You, you look at what how poorly Charlotte is playing right now. They've lost three in a row. Miami, I'm not saying Miami is tanking, but you look at their roster. Uh, they're seven games below 500. It's going to come down to the Pistons, the Magic, the Hornets, and the Heat for that last spot, last two spots, and the Pistons are only a game and a half back of Brooklyn for six. Now, the Nets, they're playing very, very well. And with Lavert and Russell and Dinwiddie uh, and the big fella Allen, I, I think they're a little bit better of a team than the Pistons right now. Not to say the Pistons can't bypass them. We'll have to wait and see. But I think Detroit's getting in. But I felt good leaving the LCA on Monday knowing that I had a chance to, to hear from, and I think many of you season ticket holders got a chance to hear, I'm, I'm sorry, season ticket members, had a chance to hear from uh, Arn and Ed Stefanski and these guys. And the Pistons front office, very underrated. There's a lot of really good people there that I think are going to make very good, very good decisions uh, when this uh, thing is all said and done. All right, as promised, let's bring in Mark Kestisher, the radio voice of the NBA on ESPN Radio. It is all the big games and obviously called the All-Star Game, and we'll be calling the NBA Finals. Kesty giving us a couple minutes here on Wired. What's up, sir? Matt, good to be with you. Uh, yeah, we see a lot of, uh, like, six teams throughout the year, so it's always <laughs> good to branch out. You know, I've, I've had my fill of Golden State, Boston, Philly, Houston, and the Lakers, so let's... Uh you know, let's, let's jump all over the league. Oh, man, it's great to hear you, Castilla. Uh, Pistons, uh, obviously, is our focus today, and we'll touch on some other stuff with you, but what, what are your thoughts on Detroit right now, making a nice run as of late, playing better ball, 7-10, and, and sitting in that seventh spot? Where do you expect to see them uh, once the 82-game schedule's done? You know, I was taking a look at the, the remaining schedule, and I love this website. I don't know who runs it. It's called tankathon.com. Yes. I don't know if you've been there before. Oh, yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure you have. I love looking at the strengths of schedule. If nothing else, on the entire website, strength of schedule is great. Uh, you know, the Pistons just came through a uh, you know, pretty soft part of the schedule in February, but they won uh, the games they needed to win. Uh, they've got a pretty good schedule going forward. And even as I look at the teams that they have to play, they have two games against Toronto. Uh, you know, already won a game against the Raptors this year. They got the Golden State Warriors and the Denver Nuggets. That's interesting because the back end of a five-game West Coast trip, if I'm not mistaken, they've beaten the Warriors, they've beaten the Nuggets this year, and then they've got that big back-to-back against Indiana coming uh, early in April. So I like the way they've played. I like the fact that the offense is up, three-point shooting, Guys who brought in have played well. I think they're in a good spot. If I look at it, much like I look in the West, you want to get out of that 7-8. and eight. If you can get to that 6 seed against Brooklyn, Indiana, for some reason, is holding on despite Victor Oladipo getting injured. They're sitting 3. And Philadelphia and Boston have their own issues at 4-5. and five. So I think getting out of the 7-8 and eight, uh, would be something I'm keeping my eye on here in the final 25 games. You were at the All-Star Game, of course, uh, last week, and Blake Griffin was there representing the Pistons. And, you know, this isn't one of those things like in baseball, Mark, that, that you know where they take everybody from a team, from, you know, one guy from each team. Blake earned it. Um, what, were, what have been your impressions of him, and, and how impressed have you been with almost a resurgent year from him? Yeah, I've, I've been very impressed with him uh, this year. I was happy for him, too, because he had so much success. Uh, early in his uh, career in Los Angeles, it seemed like he was going to be at the All-Star Game every year, and he was for most of the early part of his career, and then hadn't been in a number of years. Some of it was due to injury, 
and uh, some of it was due to his play had stepped back with other guys kind of step, stepping forward into his old shoes. So I think it meant a lot to him. Uh, it was quite a cool scene in Charlotte, especially with uh, you know a couple guys from the older guard going down, or at least uh, leaving you know after this year. And then you know anytime you have an All Star game tight within the last five or six minutes, you kind of get the real sense of All Stars. And I got the sense that uh, he was happy to be back there again. I think um, he would love nothing else than to you know get Detroit into the postseason and make a little noise here. But uh, yeah, I've been happy with the way he's played, and uh, I'm happy for him more than anything else. When you watch him, we're talking to Mark Kestisher, by the way, voice of the NBA on ESPN Radio, on the play-by-play microphone and the headsets for, for all the big games for them. Um, when you talk about, I guess, the, the, the change in Detroit and, and the winning that's come as of late, you know, Blake Griffin had to carry this team for the first few few months of the season, Kesty. Now, you know, it's like you said, some of the other guys stepping up. How difficult is it do that to do that for an entire season? And, and how much tread will be on that tire, you think, come uh, maybe April and May? Yeah, look, I, I think it's great. Look, Andre Drummond is uh, back closer to the rim, at least from what I've seen, you know, in, in the last few weeks or so, doing what he does best. Um, a consistent Reggie Jackson is huge. I mean, that's all anybody's been hoping for or asking for since he came to Detroit and he just gave them a great month. I think having a consistent backup with Ish Smith being back also was helpful for him. Uh, so all that, you know, leads to making it easier, taking a load off of Blake Griffin. I guess the best analogy would be to see what's going on in Houston with James Harden, how he's had to carry that team. Uh, and for them, it was injuries. Chris Paul was down. Eric Gordon was down. And you wonder, can you do that over the bulk of the season, and then quickly turn it into the postseason. Because once this thing ends, like April 12th or whatever, you know, if you're fortunate enough to make the postseason, uh, the Pistons have to turn around. They're going to be on the road, and you're two, three days away from starting a series against a team that's had a fabulous season. So I think this comes at a perfect time to have uh, other guys step up in their roles, have them ease off. I mean, there's no easing off. I guess you're playing playoff games for the next um, six weeks or so. But you don't have to have it all on one guy's shoulders. And I think for the Pistons and, and their hopes moving forward, it's a great sign what they just came off of these last four weeks. And like you said, it seems like they're playing better as of late. And, and how much is it just that three-point shots are falling? This game has changed so much. You've been calling games for a long time and been a part of pre- and post-games for such a long time. And I remember seeing you here at the Palace uh, you know, back in 2004. Uh, covering the the, the the entire thing. How much has the game changed to the point where is it just as simple as, okay, if you threes are dropping for Reggie Jackson and Luke Kennard and, and Galloway and guys like that off the bench, uh, how, how much, I guess, has the game changed where it's, it's, it's the three ball, if it goes down, you win, and if it doesn't, you lose? Yeah, it's, it's completely changed. It really has. I mean, I, I look at the Rockets model, and it's not a championship-winning model to this point, right? But they're shooting three-pointers, and layups, and that's it. There's nothing in between. There is no, to them, there is no analytical value of the in-between. And then we've seen the Golden State Warriors. Now, they've set the template, right, the gold standard, but they have two of the best shooters, you know, in the history. And, uh, you know, Kevin Durant came over a few years ago as one of the greatest scorers, you know, in the history. Plus, they play their great D. But you're right. I, how many comebacks have you seen down 15 or more points this year? It seems like every night I'm seeing two or three of them, and the fuel is the three-point shot. Stop three, get a stop, get another three. I mean, you could run off nine straight points 
in about 45 seconds, and you're right back into a game. So the teams who cannot shoot the three, and look, the Lakers have struggled this year, and what's their biggest flaw is they've got arguably, you know, the greatest player on the planet, maybe not anymore, but his ability to break down a defense and find two or three open shooters on the wings to get clean shots, and the Lakers can't hit those shots. And it's a difference between them making the playoffs and not making the playoffs, and I think that goes for the entire league, is the ability to hit the three-point shot, and the Pistons did it, I think, at 40% in the month of February, and that's right up there with the best in the league. You joked about only seeing a handful of teams, because that's where ESPN sends you, but Let's talk about the East for a second. If you're Detroit, which sits right now in that in that seventh spot in the East, right now you're playing Toronto if the season ended today, but you could finish eighth and play Milwaukee. You could finish sixth and play Indiana. Philly could leapfrog Indy, and you could see Philly. I really think the only team the Pistons won't see, maybe the only two teams the Pistons, maybe one team the Pistons won't see for sure is Boston. So between Philly, Indiana, Toronto, and Milwaukee, if you're a Pistons fan, who who, who do you want to draw in the first round if they make it? I think purely on paper, Matt, you want Indiana. You want Indiana because of those teams you mentioned. They lost their best player. But a lot like the Celtics last year, they seem to be galvanized. You know, the, um, without their best player, guys are stepping up and they are winning ball games. I thought for sure when once Indiana lost Oladipo, they were going to sink, you know, into the lower uh, four seats, you know, the five, six, seven, and eight, and it hasn't happened. So on paper, I think you want Indiana, but they're they're going to be a tough out. Nobody wants Milwaukee. I mean that they they have a lot to prove once the regular season ends. I mean they're having one of their best regular seasons in club history. They've got a great starting five. They got pretty good depth as well. Uh, Toronto, we know about them. Uh, you know with Kawhi Leonard and uh, some of the role players like uh, Siakam, who has uh, stepped up for them this year. And Philly's dangerous as well. Though, you know, there are times where that's a that's a flawed team and, and they struggle. And uh, I still wouldn't want to face them in the first round. So it's splitting hairs between the four, but I, I think I would go with the paper choice, and that's Indiana, because, um, you know, basketball, when you have the best player on the floor, sometimes you just need two players to change an entire series. And I think they would at least have, if you're looking at best player on each team, I would give Detroit the edge on that against Indiana. It would be very interesting, and I know he would never want to talk about it, and we got way too much time still going with 22 games left, but you wonder if Dwayne Casey, who's done a nice job here in year one, would want to go up against his former team in the first round. <laughs> and, and we always knew the knock on Toronto, right, Kesty, that they, they always gag at some point in the playoffs. Yeah, no, it's true. I mean, that was a huge win. That was in Toronto, right? The, yeah. The, the yep. victory against the Raptors is the homecoming for Dwayne Casey. That was a great game. Um, I We had a chance to interview Kyle Lowry at the All-Star break in Charlotte, and I asked him about the East and, you know, is it going to be easier this year based on past years? And I remember, you know, he gave me the stock answer, you know, that it's not easier. But, but he made this telling remark when he said, that guy isn't here anymore which he was referring to LeBron James. And I don't know if simply moving James to the West takes the onus off a team that has had no postseason success. They could not get past Cleveland in all those years. And I'll say success in that they didn't get to the finals because they did get to the Eastern Conference Finals one year. Uh, But they had no chance to beat Cleveland that year, even though it went six games. So they have a lot to prove. I still think Milwaukee has a lot to prove. I mean, it's it's a great regular season thus far, but you got to back it up. 
And you could say that for all the teams. The one team, to me, who's already proven it is the Celtics, what they did last year. And ironically, everybody's got a different role this year because they got healthier and they just can't seem to get it on the tracks for anything longer than a minimal winning streak. That's been one of the biggest surprises in the East for me is that the Celtics cannot seem to get that consistency that they showed us a year ago. This is Wired, the Pistons podcast. Matt Derry with Mark Kestisher, voice of the NBA on ESPN Radio. Um, you mentioned before about, about kind of building something and what they've done in, in Toronto, using that example. Here in Detroit, we held a, a season ticket members uh, event on Monday, and I got to kind of talk to Sashin Gupta from the front office, who's sort of the analytics guy, the trade machine guy. And you look at Detroit now, and you forget that all of a sudden they've kind of rebuilt the entire front office with Ed Stefanski, Malik Rose, Sashin, Arne Tellum, Pat Garrity. Um, and I don't think you know the, the casual fan may realize but they're building something nice, at least at the top. And how important, I guess, is that, Kesty? You've been around the game so long that it seems like it's been a nice destination, at least for executives um, here in Detroit at the moment. Yeah, no, it's look, it's important. I think we have, we have this uh, new, I don't want to say new generation of fans, but a new layer of fans who don't even go far enough back. You talked about uh, when we got to see each other in 2004, right, in the finals. And that great run that Detroit had with that outstanding team in the early 2000s. And some of the casual fans today don't even... It's hard to believe it's 2019 and that was 15 years ago. I'm just sitting here doing simple calculations and yeah. realizing maybe that was a generation ago. And, uh, you know, with the new arena, downtown, the Blake Griffin trade, you know, Andre Drummond, what, you know, he's meant um, as a double-double guy and still, you know, has potential, at least in my eyes, to, to expand this game even a little bit more. And then, you know, to make decisions on trades and look at trade assets going down the line. I mean, there's, you know, we talk about how the three-point game has changed the NBA. Right. And, and in some ways, tanking has changed the NBA, where if you can get into that lower one, two, three, I know they've changed the odds for the number one uh, pick now, where I think they're all 14% at one, two, and three, you know, you're almost better off not being in the middle, which is where Detroit is right now. But I, I give them a lot of credit, and, and I'm I'm not a fan of tanking. So I think if you can get better uh, through trade, look what the Brooklyn Nets have done. You know, they, they, had, they didn't even have any assets at the draft the last few years after, you know, a, a horrific trade uh, with all the Boston guys, Garnett and Pierce, which – basically emptied the tank and look what Brooklyn's been able to do again with good front office moves bringing some smart guys make some shrewd uh, trades look at guys who are on the street who can help you and and manage it that way and that's what I'm seeing in Detroit and I'm seeing some success this year and hopefully they can build on that over the um, coming years and become a player again like they were 15 years ago. And one of the moves they had to make was was to trade Reggie Bullock, knowing full well they were not going to be bringing him back. They did the same with Stanley Johnson. But what's come back is Thon Maker. Um, and, you know, there's times he's played a lot and played a lot in Milwaukee and, and then obviously benched a little bit and, and out of that rotation has come here and, and done some things. That's a kind of underrated move and a move that, you know, it doesn't involve a lot of money that Ed Stefanski has to make. What would what, you see in, in that trade? And could that be a steal for Detroit? Yeah, I think, as you just said, those are the smart moves where, you know, they're not going to grab flashy headlines, you know, across, uh, you know, the NBA national wire, but they're important moves because, you know, Thonmaker 
like Giannis. I mean, they're not the same talent, obviously, but they came about the same time without fanfare, kind of in that middle third of the draft where you thought there's huge upside and, you know, the potential is still there for him. And Milwaukee, you know, is having all the success now where, you know, they need to make some moves. And Thon became caught up in, you know, one of those moves. So uh, whoever the smart teams are in the NBA, you know, who might have an asset that, you know, entices a team like Milwaukee, you know, they can do that. So I think you're right. Those are those are the under-the-radar moves that don't get seen until, you know, a year or two years down the road when you're looking about how a team is built and you realize, oh, okay, they made a very shrewd decision, and hopefully he can live up to that, Thon can, for the distance. What's it like for you calling these games? And, again, you're put in the marquee spots, like you said, Golden State and Boston you have coming up this week and, and everything else. Uh, you and my guy John Barry, who's just uh, – I love listening to you guys. And shout out, shout out to the great Al Rosenberg as well. Uh, That's right. Best in, I, can't, I can't fail with that team. Oh, it's a great – it's the first team. It's awesome. But East, you know, you do these games in the East, and it's basketball for the most part. These West games turn into, you know, a lot of drama and a lot of off-the-court discussions you guys end up having to have about LeBron or, or KD or, or, or what's going on with the Rockets and how they play with James Harden. And, uh, how much of that do you have to keep up with almost uh, with, with, with social media and stuff off the court like uh, instead of just calling the game? No, it's true. It, you know, that's another thing that the NBA has become. It's become kind of a soap opera league in that you need to follow the off-the-court material um, because that's what's driving a lot of the narratives from time to time. And it's funny because I get caught up in it and, you know, uh, you know, we're always, we get great access. So we're always interviewing the head coaches. Uh, we're fortunate every once in a while, you know, to get player interviews as well. And uh, the coaches will call you out on those narratives because it's the big, it's the biggest stuff that's driving, uh, you know, the league and then the games come and then you kind of immerse yourself in the actual two and a half hours of the game. But yeah, in the West, um, You've got all kinds of stories there. Houston's been an interesting story all season long. The Lakers are probably number one. And uh, speaking of the great Al Rosenberg, uh, I think I was just, uh, well, he probably wouldn't say I was kidding, but in the summertime (laughs) after the Summer League, I walked into the MLB All-Star Game booth and I proclaimed that uh, the Lakers were not going to make the playoffs, to which I was, my my character was assassinated uh, 5,000 times over because LeBron James is worth the playoffs just on his own. And uh, I kind of doubled down on my stupid statement and took a bet with him, and I said the Lakers wouldn't make the playoffs. So he's sweating just a little bit right now as they try to overcome all those soap opera storylines. And, you know, much of it is driven by, you know, did LeBron try to trade half his team, and are are the young guys still bruised in the ego by their names being dragged through, uh, you know, the the potential trade machine? you know, it's a flawed roster. There's enough talent to get them into the postseason. I mean, they've won games they shouldn't have won. They've lost games they probably shouldn't have lost. Uh, but right now they've put themselves in a very difficult spot. And uh, our national schedule has plenty of Lakers still left on it. So it should get very interesting as the games draw uh, almost to an end if they can make the postseason or not. Always fun to chat with you, Mark. Appreciate the time. Matt, it's always great talking with you. And uh, I'd like to get to Detroit sometime good because – when I'm on with uh, other folks in, in different locales, uh, it has nothing to do with me, but it usually means you guys are back in it in the NBA if we're there. You got it, buddy. All right, talk to you soon. 
The great Mark Kestisher, radio play-by-play voice of the NBA, does the All-Star Game, the playoffs, the games of the week, the weekend games, and of course the NBA Finals, joining us here on Wired, your Pistons podcast. As we record here on this Friday, March 1st, Pistons get ready for uh, another a road trip, not another road trip, but uh, going from San Antonio back to Detroit, but now back to Cleveland for a uh, Saturday game against the Cavaliers. Very winnable game, although the Cavs have been playing better as of late. Uh, they've won the three of their last four. Uh, to sit at 15 and 47, but that's uh, that, that's a tanktastic operation uh, up there in the 216. So another winnable game for the Pistons right now. And as we talked about with Mark a little bit, teams playing better, and uh, hopefully it continues. And this team can get into the playoffs, make some noise, and uh, it can be fun uh, to to talk about and, and watch this team each and every day. But we've seen the best basketball they've played, I think, in years. Uh, over the last stretch of about two to three weeks. Thanks to Mark Kestisher from ESPN Radio. Thanks to you for listening. Matt Derry with you again. This has been Wired for another week. Your Pistons podcast brought to you by our friends at Jeep.